Welcome to the teaching ministry of Calvary Port St. Lucie. Let's join the Pastor Mike Wiggins with the message, Because He Lives. God's people said, Amen. Well, we are in 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to start this morning in verse 3. Paul writes to the church of Corinth, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he, what's the next two words? Rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And that he was seen by Cephas, that's Peter, then by the twelve. After that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep or died. Verse 7, after that he was seen by James, that's his little half-brother, then by all the apostles, and then last of all, Paul says, he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time. Now, I'm going to go back to verse 4, and I'm going to reread those verses, and I need your help. Every time, and I'm reading from the New King James Version, and so if you have that version, every time we see the word seen, I want you to say that word with me out loud like you mean it, okay? So verse 4 says that Jesus rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, verse 5, and that he was by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained of the present, but some have died. After that, he, had, he was by James, and then all the apostles. And last of all, he was by me also, as by one born out of due time. Here's an important question on this Easter Sunday. 2015. How can we be sure that Jesus was raised to life? And the answer is because he was seen. He was seen by Peter. He was seen by the 12. He was seen by over 500 people. He was seen by James. He was seen by then all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen by the Apostle Paul, who once was someone who hated and killed and imprisoned Christians. And of course, Jesus changed his life. You see, it's the eyewitness testimony of hundreds of people. That's the reason that we have this overwhelming evidence that Jesus of Nazareth was really raised to life. And so ladies and gentlemen, don't be duped by the so-called intellectuals of the day that will tell you and I that the resurrection was some type of mythological le legend. Nothing can be further from the truth. The truth is that Jesus was seen, not by one guy, two guys, three, or even 12. He was seen by hundreds of people and he was seen alive after he had been dead. And there's no court of law in any country, in any time, that would ever deny the fact that eyewitness testimony of hundreds of people proves a fact. The truth is, the resurrection of Christ is not a fairy tale, as so many of the books at Barnes & Noble and other bookstores in the religious section will tell you. 
The fact is that the resurrection was not a fairy tale, as many of the TV shows that are running now will tell you. The fact of the matter is, is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a fact of history. Deal with it. Deal with it. He's risen. Irrefutable, undeniably. Now, I love the fact that Paul understood there were skeptics in his day. There's not just skeptics in 2015. There were skeptics way back in the first century. And the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church of Corinth around A.D. 56. That's just 24 years or so after the resurrection. By the way, you cannot develop a legend in 24 years. Too short a time. And so just 24 years after a dead man got up and walked victoriously out of his grave, Paul picks up a pen and he writes this letter to the church at Corinth. And he says in verse 6, please look at it again, that after that Jesus was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep or died. In other words... Most of the 500 people that saw Jesus alive after he had been dead were still alive in AD 56 when the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church at Corinth. Does that make sense to you guys? And so over 250 people were st still alive. What is Paul doing here in, in verse 6? What he's doing is he's telling the skeptics in his day, hey, if you don't believe that a dead man got out of his grave and walked victoriously over sin and death, go knock on the doors of over 250 people that are still alive in AD 56, and they'll all tell you the same thing. We saw Jesus alive from the dead. It's true. Jesus is alive, and because of his resurrection, we know that he was more than just a man. He was the Messiah of Israel. He was the Son of God, and He was and is the great I Am. He is God in the flesh, and He wants your life. He wants to know you. He wants to have a relationship with you. Paul says, now jump down to verse 20. Now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. First fruits, in other words, Christ's bodily resurrection, that that was the first event of its kind in the history of mankind. In other words, before Jesus of Nazareth bodily rose and walked out of that tomb, there had not been any bodily resurrections from Adam all the way to Christ. He is the first fruits. And Paul goes on to say in verse 21, for since by man came death, by man, capital M, also came the resurrection of the dead. Verse 22, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. In essence, the Apostle Paul says, I have good news and I have bad news. I'm going to give you the bad news first, the Apostle Paul would say. The bad news is that Adam the head of the human race, the first man ever created, he absolutely blew it. Adam, I don't know if you knew this, but Adam was immortal. Adam, living in the Garden of Eden, was destined to live forever in the Garden of Eden, destined to live in paradise. 
But while he was there, he disobeyed God and he ate the forbidden fruit. Now listen, the moment he bit into the fruit that God said, don't eat from that tree or you're gonna die, the moment Adam bit into that fruit, he died. He immediately died spiritually on the inside and he began to die physically on the outside. The immortal man, Adam, became a mortal man. And him and Eve, when they would go down to the pond for some water, would look at their reflection, and Eve would say something like, oh dear, look at all these wrinkles. And Adam would say, wrinkles? Look at this gray hair. And when they get up from the pond, they're both holding their backs. Why? Because they were growing old. And one day, guess what? Adam and Eve died. Now here's the sad news. Adam's sin didn't just affect Adam. It affects all of us. Look again at verse 22. It says, for as in Adam, how many people die? All die. The head of the human race, the first man ever created, the guy that represents you and I, he has passed sin and death down to us all. Paul writes in Romans 5, 12, for as by one man sin entered into a perfect world and death by sin, and so death has passed upon all men for that all have sinned. And so because of Adam's sin, and by the way, our sin, let's not just point at Adam and say it's all your fault, right? How many sinners are in the house, right? Just raise your hand. I'm gonna raise two hands, right? We're all sinners. We're all responsible before God. So because of Adam's sin and our sin, listen, we were all born dead. We were all born dead spiritually, and one day we will all be found dead physically. Some of you have found your loved ones dead. It's one of the most traumatic experiences that anybody could ever have in their life and your heart breaks this morning, and you have to fight back the tears because you miss that person so much. Well, aren't you glad on Easter Sunday there's some good news? So what's the good news? Look again at verse 22. For as in Adam all die, here's the good news, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. That's some good news, isn't it? Come on, are you more excited than that? Is that good news or what? some great news. And so even though the first Adam caused the curse of death to be passed upon to the whole creation, that's men and women, that's animals, that's this earth, that's the entire universe. Everything is running down. Everything is decaying. Everything will eventually die. Thank God the second Adam came to reverse the curse, and now he stands and he offers eternal life to anybody who will trust him as Lord and Savior. Because Jesus lives, we can live forever, forever. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, here's my message. You can be made spiritually alive, and one day you can be made physically alive. You see, the Christian can expect two resurrections. The Christian can, can expect upon putting his or her faith in Christ to be made spiritually alive on the inside and one day the Christian can fully expect that God will make good on his promise and that he or she is gonna receive physical life as well.
So if you're taking notes, let's look at those two points today. The first point is because he lives, I can experience a spiritual resurrection. How many of you guys were with us as we went verse by verse through the book of Ephesians? Let me just see your hand if you were with us there. So if you're visiting with us, that's what we do here at Calvary. The 90% of our messages, we start in a book of the Bible. We start in chapter 1, verse 1, and we plow through verse by verse through God's Word. Because here's what I know. You guys aren't very interested in my opinions. You're very interested in what God has to say. So that's what we do. That's our steady diet. As we were going through Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, we learned in Ephesians chapter 2, 1, that we all are born dead spiritually. That's the bad news, but here's the good news. When a person turns from their sins the best way they know how, and by faith they receive the free gift of salvation, they receive Christ as their Savior, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, comes inside of that person. He quickens that person's spirit, and he makes that person alive spiritually. That's what it says. Check it out. Ephesians 2, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were what? Were we physically dead? No, we're spiritually dead. So even when we were spiritually dead in trespasses, thank God, help me out with the next three words, he... He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. The question I have for you today on this Easter Sunday is, have you been made alive? Now, you may say, Pastor Mike, I'm not sure. Well, that's, that's fine, but you can be sure. And here's one of the ways you can be sure. Paul says to the church of Corinth, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If you have truly experienced a spiritual resurrection, I know something about you. You have changed. If you really have experienced a spiritual resurrection, I know something. You are in the process of changing. And so, please, please, please listen up. The question I have for you today is, have you fallen in love with Jesus, or are you just religious? Do you really have a desire to open and read his word? Do you really find yourself wanting to pray more? Have you started going to church regularly, not just on Christmas and Easter, but regularly? Has anything at all spiritual happened to you? And if you haven't changed, then you on be honest with yourself. You gotta ask yourself the question, have I really received a spiritual resurrection or not? Have I really been made alive? What I know the scriptures teach is when someone turns to Christ, the Spirit of God comes in, as I said earlier, and with him he brings great power. He gives you and I great power in order to live in a new kind of way. The Apostle Paul says this to the church at Rome, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in what? In newness of life, not oldness of life. 
and newness of life. And so someone might say, well, what does it mean to walk in newness of life? Well, here's what it means. It means that you and I are no longer all bound up to sin. It means that you and I are being set free by the Spirit of the Lord that lives inside of us. You see, as spirit-filled followers of Christ, we're not perfect. We're far from perfect. But we should be experiencing more and more freedom from anything that would try to bind us. Ladies and gentlemen, because he lives, then we should be experiencing freedom from any kind of chemical bondage to alcohol or drugs. Because he lives, we should be experiencing more and more freedom from any kind of sexual bondage like pornography or fornication or adultery or homosexuality. Because Jesus lives and has sent his, what kind of spirit is he? He's the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes inside of you and I, he makes us more holy. He makes us more free. And so because he lives, listen to this. Because he lives, you and I should be experiencing more and more freedom from any kind of emotional bondage like fear, worry, false guilt, or shame. And before you look down your religious nose at anybody who you think is not good as you are, because he lives, we should be experiencing freedom from religious bondage, like a critical attitude, self-righteousness, pride, and legalism. Christ came to set us free. Are you experiencing that freedom? I didn't say he came to set you free to sin. No, that's what the whole culture is doing. He didn't come to set us free to sin. He came to set us free from sin. That's what he does in people's lives. That's the Jesus of the Bible. You either accept him or you reject him. And based upon your decision is where you will absolutely live forever and ever. Jesus loves everybody. But the guy, the gal who submits to his authority, he sends his spirit to empower that person, to make that person holy, and to set that person free. So if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, man, don't wait another day. Let him come and make you alive. But there's another type of resurrection we gotta talk about. We talked about a spiritual resurrection on the inside. Let's now talk about the physical resurrection that we're gonna one day receive on the outside. Let's go all the way down to verse 49. Verse 49, as we have borne the image of the man of dust, that's Adam, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. That means die. We shall not all die, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. 
For this corruptible, in other words, this body we're living in right now, this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O hell, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. And I want all of us to read verse 57 together. Go ahead. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's your second point. Hey, because he lives, I will experience a physical resurrection. Not just a spiritual resurrection on the inside, but a physical resurrection someday on the outside. I'm going to, according to verse 49, I am going to bear, and you, if you've trusted Christ, are going to bear the image, not just of Adam, but someday we're going to bear the image of the heavenly man. Now think about this for a second. Can we be thinking Christians? What are we going to look like forever and ever? We are so fixed on, focused on, consumed with this little life. 70, 80, 90 years maybe. And we don't even think about the fact that we're going to be alive forever and ever and ever and ever. A million years, two million, ten million, ten billion. We're still alive. Okay, do you want to know what you're going to look like in that age? Okay, let John help you out. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he, Christ, shall appear, help me out, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. When Christ comes back, if we're still alive, we'll be caught up and changed on our way up. But if we die first, when Christ comes back, we will rise bodily, and we will receive indestructible, incredible resurrected bodies. And that is the indestructible resurrected body that you will live in forever and ever and ever and ever. We're so focused on this body, and there's nothing wrong with that. If you go to the gym, if you diet, if you eat right, great, praise the Lord. But don't you think we should start thinking about the body we're gonna live in forever, right? And so listen to this. What is that gonna be like? Well, when he shall appear, we're gonna be like him. What was he like in his resurrected body? I got good news for you. After Jesus rose from the dead, he didn't immediately ascend back to his father. He stayed here on earth for 40 days. And while he was here for 40 days in his resurrected body, he appeared and disappeared to various groups of people. And so if you wanna know what you're gonna be like someday in your resurrected body, all you got to do is look at Christ when he was on the earth for those 40 days in his resurrected body because when he appears, we're going to be like him. Here's what I know. You and I are not going to be ghosts floating around in some kind of misty realm of the departed spirits. No, we're going to be like him. Don't let Greek mythology infiltrate Christianity and change your view about the afterlife. It's not true. We're going to be like him. What was he like? 
Jesus saw through resurrected eyes. He heard through resurrected ears. He touched things with resurrected hands, and he tasted with a resurrected tongue. Yes, Jesus and his resurrected body ate food. He walked through locked doors. He appeared, and then he disappeared. And one day, he flew up. It's called the Ascension. He flew up to be at the right hand of his father. When he shall appear, we're going to be like that. What do you mean? One day, if you know Christ, you're going to see through resurrected eyes. You're going to hear through resurrected ears. You're going to touch things through resurrected, indestructible hands. Thank God you're going to taste with a resurrected tongue. There's food in the next age. You're going to eat and you're going to drink. And you'll be able to walk through closed doors. You'll be able to appear and disappear. And here's my favorite. You and I, if we know Christ in our resurrected, indestructible bodies... We're going to be able to fly. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be incredible. No more going to see the doctor. Check out, we're going to put it on the screen, Revelation 21, 1 through 3. 4 through 5, sorry. Look at what's going to happen in that day. This is the context of when John said, I saw a new heavens and a new earth, okay? So right after John says, I saw in a vision a new heavens and a new earth, he says, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Aren't you happy about that? And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things have passed away, and he who sat upon the throne said, Behold, help me out. It's going to happen. It's not a fairy tale. It's not pie in the sky by and by. As Jack Worrell, who's on our board of directors, said at our prayer meeting on Wednesday, quote, heaven doesn't have any hospitals, rehabilitation centers, nursing homes, funeral homes, or cemeteries. Heaven is not only a real place, it is a perfect place. It is a permanent place, and it is a prepared place for those who have trusted in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It's good news. It's good news. What are you worried about? What are you obsessed with about this life? Through Christ, you have a sure hope. I am so looking forward to my new body. It'll never grow old, and it'll never be destroyed. I am so looking forward to living on a new earth and experiencing what the Garden of Eden was like. I'm so looking forward to looking up into a new heavens and understanding that that one day will be our eternal playground. I'm so looking forward to going to the new Jerusalem and getting down on my face and worshiping Jesus the King. And I am so looking forward to looking at Jesus someday and saying thank you for coming and reversing the curse and making all things new. Ladies and gentlemen, we have hope. We should be rejoicing. We should be thanking God for all that he's accomplished 2,000 years ago on Easter Sunday. As far as Adam's curse of death reached, decay and death to the entire creation, that's how far Christ's redemption is going to reach, bringing life to the entire universe. It's going to be awesome. Check it out. No eye has seen. No ear has heard. 
No mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. You say, well, Pastor Mike, so how do you know? Well, but, <laughs> gotta go to verse 10. It was to us that God, what's the word? Revealed these things by his spirit. What has he revealed? He revealed that if you turn to Christ, he'll give you a spiritual resurrection. And he has revealed that if you'll turn to Christ, one day he's going to give you a physical resurrection. Now at this time, I want to share a story with you via video about someone who's been made new by Christ. Now here's what I just got to share with you, okay? During this seven-minute video, there's at times where you're going to want to start to applaud. Can I encourage you to not do that? And then at the very end of the video, we'll all just praise God for a, another life that he has changed. So sit back, relax, check this out. Hi, my name is Emily Hayes, and my story begins in Euclid, Ohio. I was a good kid. I grew up in a supportive, loving family. My father was a pastor at a local church, so we were in church every Sunday. And I grew up absolutely believing in God. And although my belief was great, it was truly my heart and my life that he was after. But I had not given him mine yet. When I was 15 years old, I experienced a very traumatic sexual assault. And the belief in my head did nothing to soothe the pain that was in my heart. I began looking for comfort, and I found it in drinking, in eating disorder, and cutting my own skin. And over the next 12 years, these behaviors would land me in treatment a total of seven times at some of the best facilities across the nation. Each time, I would do good for a little while, but when things got tough, I always found my way back to my old behaviors. I didn't want to be this way. I didn't want to keep failing, to keep hurting myself and my family. So I tried alternative remedies. I tried a, an herbalist, a hypnotherapist, I tried crystals, a Native American sweat lodge, the list goes on and on. But despite my best efforts, by the time I was 27 years old, my cutting had progressed to the point to where I woke up in the ER with 37 stitches. My eating disorder had escalated to the point I was binging and purging up to seven or eight times a day. My depression had worsened to the point I was prescribed nine psychiatric medications. I was deemed incapable of functioning in society and placed on mental disability. My drinking had progressed to the point I was consuming a fifth of vodka every day. I woke up shaking in the morning and I passed out every night. Finally, I totaled my car in a DUI accident and I woke up in jail. I lost my job and then my apartment and finally, I ended up on the streets of Cleveland, where I found myself being held in the back room of a crack house, being sold out to strangers. I truly was a captive in every sense of the word. But you see, we serve a God who sets the captives free, and that's exactly what He did for me. Not because I deserved it, because I didn't but because He's merciful, because He's faithful. He freed me from that horrible situation. But I was still so far from free. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually, I was on the brink of death. The money and insurance had long ago run out, and I desperately needed help. 
So my parents agreed to let me come back one more time so that I could detox. And as I said about that painful process, I picked up a devotional that someone had given me and I began to read it. And it wasn't so much the words on the page, but it was truly Jesus knocking at the door of my heart. Tears began pouring down my face. And in that moment, I knew, I knew that He was real and that He had saved me from that horrible situation. And I cried out, God, I'm sorry. I'm so, so sorry. Please forgive me. Please help me. I need you, please. Lord, I'm gonna do it your way. Even the things I don't understand, even the things I may not like, I'm gonna follow you. And from that moment on, I never touched another drug or alcohol ever again. And that is a true miracle. A few months after I prayed that prayer, God completely released me from my eating disorder and from cutting. And I never picked up another razor or binged and purged ever again. God truly proclaimed liberty to this captive. Shortly thereafter, I had the opportunity to move down here to Florida for a fresh start. And God led me here to this church, to Calvary Chapel. And it was here where God truly used this place and these people in such a powerful way to bring me closer in my walk with Him. And I'm forever grateful. It was also here where I was baptized. And right after my baptism, another miracle took place and God completely released me from all nine psychiatric medications. He completely freed me from my crippling anxiety and He gave me peace, His peace, and it's so beautiful. But He wasn't done yet. God also saw fit to give me back a car and then an apartment and finally a job. And within my first year of employment, I received the award for the employee of the year. Me, the girl who was deemed incapable of functioning in society. Truly nothing is impossible with God. During my addiction, I had been married and divorced twice and in countless abusive relationships. My heart was truly shattered, but I knew that God could heal my heart. And I prayed for him to do just that. I prayed for the man he had for me, a man of God who would want me, even after everything I'd been through. And God answered my prayer, and He gave me Petri Hayes. And this man didn't just want me, he waited for me while God continued to heal my heart. He was a friend to me, he loved me unconditionally, and he sought so hard after our Father's heart that God finally gave him mine. And we were married January 15th of 2012, and I was able to become a stepmom to his two kids. Shortly thereafter, God answered a deep cry of my heart. And we found out that this woman who should be dead was carrying a little life inside of her. On April 6th of 2013, I gave birth to our daughter and we named her Hope because that's exactly what God had given us, was hope. And I don't know where you're at today or what you're going through, but please don't lose hope. Don't give up, look up. He is real and He is there. And He is saying to each one of us, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into Him and dine with Him and He with me. And because He lives, I sit before you with over seven years clean and free from all addictions and disorders. I sit before you a wife 
and mother, happy and redeemed. And because he lives, no longer do I have to open a bottle of vodka, but I can open the word of God and let his spirit pour over me. No longer do I have to binge and purge the feelings away, but he can purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. No longer do I have to cut myself and bleed because he bled hanging on a cross for me. And because he lives, I've been set free. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Awesome. You guys can be seated. The reason we clap is because Jesus loves us and he wants to change us, and he changed Emily. And I'm going to I'm just going to cut uh, straight to it, Emily. For the people who are here today and they have never given their life to Christ or maybe they gave their life to Christ but they walked away, they're far away from him right now, um, what would you say to them? I would say that it's not an accident that you are here today. God wants to meet you right where you are at just like he met me. And I'm praying that today would be the day that you would hear his voice and open the door and he will come into you. Do not let your fear stop you. Do not let your pride stop you. Do not focus on anything that's going on around you. Right now, it's just you and him. And I just wanna tell you, he loves you so much. And he wants to help you in your life. He wants to heal your heart, but you have to give it to him first. And I'm praying that today you would do just that. Thank you. Now, Petri, quickly share, share some good news with us. Awesome. Um, I'm just so thankful that we uh, not only come here to celebrate Easter for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, but we also serve a living God, one that blesses us today. So we're, we receive the good news that we're gonna be blessed with a new addition to the family around yeah. October 19th. Awesome. So God is awesome, yes. God is awesome. Yes, he is. Thank you. God bless you guys. Let's, let's just thank the Lord again for what he's done through this couple. One of the greatest gifts God can give his children is the assurance of their salvation. If you're not sure where you stand with God, we want to help. Visit our website at www.calvarypsl.com and click on Knowing Christ.